reason Tiffany wanted to stay at our house right there. She wanted to see what kind of dirt she could dig up on us over the course of And listen, it's going to be a lot. I mean, we're just scratching the surface right now. I don't even know what he said, but it's... You going to be okay back there, Hut? Okay. Okay. I'm going to kill him. All right. Well, um... Again, we're really, really grateful uh, for both Jason and his family. Hey, don't, man, please make plans. Be here tonight, 6 o'clock, Sunday, uh, Monday night at 7 o'clock, and Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. He said, man, I got too much going on in life. Just, we'll just figure it out, you know. You can sleep when you get done. I ain't slept in a year anyway. Uh <laughs> We'll figure, we'll figure out, we'll get to sleep one of these days, right? So let's, let's just make sure we're here, all right? All right, Brother Jason, you come on, and uh, Brother Jason's going to get ready, and, uh, and he's going to preach to us this morning. Before he, before he gets here, I want to pray for him and uh, just ask God to use him. Lord, um, again, we want to thank you. We want to bless your name for allowing them to be here and, and making... Uh, making the trip here, Lord, thank you for getting them here safe, and um, Lord, thank you for what you do in Brother Jason's heart and how you speak to him. Lord, thank you for his his leadership and his wisdom, and um, God, all the all the many times, Lord, he's been such an encouragement and a blessing uh, to me and my family, and uh, Lord, I I pray that this morning that you use him. I pray, God, that um, Lord, you speak through him, and the Holy Ghost works in his heart uh, to transfer everything that you got inside of him and give it to us. Um, Lord, bless your name for all your all your goodness and um, and what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 Thank you. I love you. Appreciate you. Amen. I'll open your Bibles, if you will, this morning to the book of Matthew, chapter number fourteen. Matthew, chapter number fourteen. And I want to say it is a privilege to be able to be here. Uh, I am taking a moment just to introduce myself. You say, why are you doing that? Well, uh, because Hutt and I have an agreement. I have a clock up here, and uh, I've got 40 minutes to preach, amen? And uh, you say, why is that important? Because if I go any time over that, uh, I owe him ice cream. And all God's people said, amen. Thank God for that. And uh, we were laughing a while ago. He was over there beside us, and uh, we were talking. And if you notice my phone, uh, he said, is that a new smartphone? And I said, no, it's actually not a new smartphone. He said, it's awful small. Well, the joke of it is I have the oldest smartphone you could possibly have. So my wife and them, uh, they found that a little comical. So it was nothing ungodly about the household. It wasn't nothing spiritual. It was just the fact that your son's making fun of my phone. Amen. But anyhow, uh, I appreciate you. I appreciate the church. And I appreciate the God giving us the opportunity to be able to come this morning. I want to be obedient. I uh, do want to say this, that my prayer, um, I don't want to kind of hesitate. I usually am very transparent anytime I go preach and, and uh, ask the Lord to be able to help. But you know, my prayer this week is, is obviously, uh, first of all, be able to lift up Christ, for all of us to be able to see Jesus. I believe that's why we preach the gospel. The gospel still works. Somebody help me right there. The gospel still works. And um, I praise the Lord we get the privilege to be able to do so. Um, but also to be able to help God use me as a vessel, uh, to be able to help this church. One of the greatest ways to be able to do that. It's through helping your pastor. And I want to tell you today that many of you understand this, that 
you know, God has a purpose and God has a word for all of us. There's no question about it. But God also has uh, a structure of the local New Testament church. And um, if we come into it, we can help one or two people. Praise God for that. But if we can help the, the pastor and his family, then after we leave, we help everybody. Can I get an amen right there? You understand that? We encourage. So uh, my desire is that we truly just lift up Christ and do all that. So I, I want you to be mindful, be encouraged this week. Uh, you help me preach, and I'll preach. Matter of fact, the Lord has already helped me. I was preaching last week up in the kind of foothills of North Carolina, and uh, lo and behold, I lost my voice completely. I had no voice uh, whatsoever, and uh, my wife the other night thought I was mad at her. We was riding down the road. She was asking questions. I wouldn't answer her, and she's like, are, are you not listening to me? And I said, well, I just try not to talk. Hey, I'm trying to keep my voice. <laughs> I come down there, and uh, so lo and behold, uh, the Lord has helped me with my voice. I praise the Lord for that. Matthew chapter number 14, and the time begins, amen. I, um, as we turn here this morning, before we go any further, of course, uh, there's scripture. Matter of fact, there's a phrase that you're going to see here in a few moments that you'll notice that I will use in the title, the thought, the mindset, of what God has put on my heart here that's in the scripture. Peter speaks to the Lord, and he says this, Lord, if it be thou, bid me. In other words, Lord, I'm asking you, if it's really you, then prove yourself to me, and, and Lord, get me out of the boat. And I'm paraphrasing. I'm reminded of that because throughout the Scripture, we see this numerous of times. Matter of fact, if you were to turn to be able to go to the book of John, chapter number 11, you can, or you can look at your notes, but you know the story. There's a place there that we see the same principle that Jesus is now at a place at the death of Lazarus and Mary and Martha is sitting down and they, they go to the Lord and they say, Lord, uh, we know that you can help. Could you come? So the Lord Jesus shows up. He loves this family. But through that process, what happens is Lazarus literally dies. After he dies, the Lord comes and then she turns, she looks to the Lord and she says to the Lord, Lord, I know that anything that you ask in the Father's name, that he'll do it. And, and Jesus looked and he asked what it was. And she was talking about him raising him from the dead. But then he said to her, he says, but I am the resurrection and the life. You say, why do you say that, Brother Jason? Because there's a principle there. And the principle there is this, is I don't just want you to be able to have a relationship with me uh, or uh, a theology about me. I want there to be a relationship. I want you to be able to know more than the things that you actually know. If you actually was to go back and he put it in your notes and you was going to be able to go uh, to the book of Luke and you was going to study out Luke, uh, you would see there uh, and, and throughout the scriptures and see things in verse uh, chapter number 24 uh, where the disciples, they come, they were discouraged and they did not even recognize Jesus Christ, but yet that's where we know that uh, they came up, they're walking the road of Emmaus and they don't see him and then all of a sudden they turn around and uh, they ask, they were asked the question why are you so sad and it was like they did not even understand that it was God and here's why, their faith had got really thin if I could say it this way, what I'm saying this morning is a lot of our issue this morning is not necessarily our home, it's not our marriage, it's not our ministry, that's not what our issue is, our issue is we are born again believers, we go to church all the time, we read our Bible and we pray but our faith is not always as strong as we actually think that it is there's another portion of scripture is written down 
there on your notes, and uh, you would read it in Mark chapter number 9, where the Bible says that there was a man that had a son that uh, he began to be uh, down. He needed some help. He needed some assistance. And the Lord come, uh, the, the man comes to the Lord, and he looks to the Lord, and you got to remember this, that he'd already seen some things that Jesus had done. He had known that Jesus could do things. He had seen the miracles that Jesus could perform. He had heard about all the great things that Jesus actually could do. But hear me well when I say this, but now it was his son that was in a great need. And he said these words, and really this is the theme. This is the thought, if you will, that really speaks to my heart. He says, Lord, he says, I believe. He said, but help thou my unbelief. And this is what he's saying. He said, I just want you to be able to understand I have faith. Oh, but my faith ain't as strong as what I really thought it was. I, I believe in you, and I know that you can help people, and I've seen you help some people, but I've got a situation in my life that right now, it just seems to be a little bit bigger than what I expected. It's a little bit more than what I understood. So, Lord, I want you to know that I believe in you, but I need you to help my unbelief. And can I say this to you tonight or this morning? This is exactly what I believe that revival should be. Revival's not made up of views being full of it's not made up of the altars being full. It's not about who's preaching. It's not about who's singing. All I believe if we really want a revival, we would see it in a number of things. Listen to me when I say this. I believe when we really get revival, I believe we'll read our Bible more than we ever read a Bible before. That's my belief. I believe if we get revival, I believe that we'll pray more than we've ever prayed before. I believe if we get revival, we'll have more faith than we've ever had before. In other words, it's not just an emotional stir. Somebody say amen right there. I'm talking about really drawing close to the Lord. And that's what my prayer is this week, that God will be able to do something in every single one of us. So that brings us now to this scripture, thinking on the thought that we had said there, Mark chapter number 9, where he says to the Lord, Lord, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. So I want you to walk with me through the scriptures this morning. The Bible says this at verse number 22 of Matthew chapter number 14. The Bible says this, watch this now. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship to go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. The first thing that I see by way of introduction this morning is this, a specific request. A specific request. If you notice here, the Lord literally looks at them and he says, I want you to be able to know he sent the multitudes away. What he did is he put these disciples all by themselves. It was a specific request to be able to bring them to a place. And this is what he's saying. This is not for everybody. What I'm about to do in your life is going to be different. What I'm going to do in your life, nobody understands. What I'm going to do in your marriage, in your home, in your ministry, there's not a book for you to read. There's not somebody for you to go to. You're going to have to choose to be able to trust me because there is no quote-unquote plan. There is no uh, blueprint to what I'm about to do. So the Lord had a specific request. He sent them away, and maybe you and I can relate to that. There's some things in our life that it seems like nobody's ever been here before. Or maybe it's something like this. My marriage has never been here before. My ministry has never been here before. I have never been here before, and we feel just like the disciples. This specific request of the Lord putting us here makes us feel like we don't know, we don't know what God's about to do. But then notice in verse number 23, the separation requirement. Not only do you see that he sent the multitudes away, but the Bible says in verse number 23, and when he had sent the multitudes away, watch this now, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. 
It was the Lord that went apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. So now you see a separation requirement. It was almost as Jesus left. Now let me say this to you. I know the Bible. I've studied the Bible. Don't know it all, but I know enough to be able to know this. That the Bible tells us that it will never leave us nor forsake us. If you believe that, say amen. By understanding that, though, you have to see here that it was like the Lord himself was understanding that God the Father was separating him because they had to get to a place, listen to me now, where they got uncomfortable. They had to get to a place where they wasn't falling on the security of everything they knew. See, you had to put yourself in those times. As long as Jesus was around, they knew everything was going to be all right. As long as Jesus was in the midst, they knew everything was going to be taken care of. As long as they could touch Jesus, they knew he was going to take care of the Bible. I mean, take care of the problem. But what we learned in the Bible, he'll never leave us nor forsake us. But there are some times, though you study your Bible, you come to church, you do everything you're supposed to do, it seems like there is a requirement that it seems as if Jesus just is not there. You say, Brother Jason, that's unspiritual. You can think it's unspiritual, and that's fine. But friend, as long as you live in this flesh, you're going to have problems with faith. You're going to have problems with struggles. You're not going to always understand some things, and there's going to be some things sometimes that it seems like the Lord is completely separated from you. But then you come to the ship's relocation. Notice this in verse number 24. The Bible says this, but when the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. You say, well, wait a minute now. This is the relocation of God. God, this is what you're telling me. Watch me now. Lord, you're trying to tell me that you strategically, on purpose, you put me in the middle of this. Watch me now. Lord, are you telling me that you had a special request? You were going to separate everybody from me. You was going to make me feel like I was all by myself. Not only that, Lord, it's almost like you're not even with me. You're not even around me. God, I, I can't find you. I can't see you. I don't know what to expect. But then I'm going to find myself in one of the greatest storms of my life. Lord, I don't know what to do. And God, it's not by accident. By my obedience, by me serving you, by me loving you, by me following you, you're going to choose to do this to your disciples. Not people that's going against you, but people that is falling with you. And you're going to relocate us and the place that you're going to put us us is in the middle of the storm and I'm going to tell you sometimes that's hard we don't understand why we don't understand why God chooses these storms for us we don't know why God puts us in these places but you hear me well God knows everything that he's doing and nothing God ever does is by accident but then it comes to our Savior's response if you're thankful that God's response is always good say amen notice what the Bible says in verse number 25 it says, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. Did you realize in the fourth watch of the night, we could talk about that, we could teach that, you've probably heard that. It's the darkest, coldest moment of everything that you face when it comes to night. But then you see this when it seems like nobody's around, you can't understand, you don't know what's going on. Jesus comes exactly where they are. And I want you to know this too, before they ever knew that Jesus was coming to them, Jesus is already getting there. He was already in the midst of the sea he was already watching them they might not uh, ever be able to see Jesus but Jesus could still, still see them so I'm telling you this morning in the midst of your sea where it seems like where you are wherever it may be it might be your prayer closet where you've been praying for a lost love or maybe a husband maybe a wife maybe a child you've been praying it just seems like you know what Lord I feel like it's a constant battle I can't get it together I, I don't understand Lord you need to help me right here the Bible says that 
that Jesus sees you exactly where you are. But now I want you to notice this, the sight's reflection. The sight's reflection all by way of introduction. By the way, I love expository preaching. Somebody say amen. We walk scripture based upon every scripture. We look at every verse and walk through the verses and you see these. So now you see the sight's reflection. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 26. The Bible says this. And when the disciples, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. Can you imagine this? This is the Lord Jesus. This is exactly what you and I think that we would want. These are the very things that we would think that we need in our life. We would want Jesus to be able to come. But the Bible says that when they saw him, watch this now, they did not recognize him. What I'm trying to tell you this is this right here this morning. There's going to be some times in your life that your storm is going to be so great that you're not going to recognize the Lord. You're not going to see the Lord. You're not going to know that the Lord's in the midst of it. And because of the way that the separation is and the specific place that God puts you, and it seems like the storm that you're battling you're going to find yourself uncomfortable you're going to find yourself unusual you don't even know how to respond you don't know how to react you don't know what to say you don't want to know what to do and you're going to look up and somehow some way Jesus is going to make himself seen and you're not going to recognize the Lord you say brother Jason you're trying to talk to me like you're a lost man you're trying to tell me somebody like you're somebody that don't walk with Jesus no I walk with Jesus I read my Bible I pray I'm not a perfect Christian but what I'm trying to tell you is there's just some things in your life that no matter how good you are, how spiritual you are, and how long you serve the Lord, these disciples, they knew the Lord Jesus Christ. But the storm was so great in their life, they could not even recognize him. Can I stop for a moment, just testify and confess? That over the last couple years of my life, there's been a lot of times I didn't recognize the Lord. There's been a lot of times that I was troubled. A lot of times that even though I know the Bible says that he's a friend that's sticking closer than a brother, I know that the Bible says that he'll never leave me nor forsake me. I am thankful for that. I am thankful for that. But it's very hard to be able to recognize him in the midst of some of the battles that we face. There's some times where I wake up and I think, God, I don't understand why this happened. There's some times in my own marriage I look at the things that happens in our home and, and I see the way my wife struggles or I see the way that my son struggles. And, and I serve the Lord. We go to church. We do the best that we possibly can. But sometimes them situations are so hard. I know the Bible says what God says, but at the end of the day, I still don't recognize Jesus it cuts us deep it wounds us it hurts us I look back at the last couple of years and not just people and not just visitors but some of my greatest influence in my life they've walked away from our church I'm going to be honest with you I, I don't see the Lord in the midst of that I see people that I have poured my heart out into and I have loved them and prayed with them and prayed for them and they walk away listen to me I know what the Bible says but I don't see Jesus in the middle of that and it's hard and it's difficult and sometimes it can be lonely but in the midst of it all we know that God never forsakes us so with that knowing that you can't recognize the Lord notice this the straightway relief the straightway relief notice what the Bible says the Bible says in verse number 27 it says but straightway Jesus spake unto them saying be of good cheer it is I be not afraid and all God's people said Amen. Listen, there's a lot of people that I appreciate in my life. And listen, we're talking about faith this morning. You hear me well. There's going to be some times in our life, according to the Scripture, I'm not adding, I'm not taking away, I'm not trying to 
puff you up. I'm not trying to, if I can say it this way, butter you up. I'm not trying to amaze you by some kind of outline. I'm showing you Bible this this morning. That, that it's needed. These are, these are things that God has done in my life. This is not something I, I've preached at my church. It's so personal to me, and we're going to get a little more personal in a moment, but it's so personal to me. These are things that specifically God has been dealing with in my life. But when I find myself in this situation, I don't know what to do, and I don't know how to, how, how to respond, and I don't know if I can really recognize Jesus. And then all of a sudden, in the midst of it, Jesus comes to me. And friend, I'm going to tell you something. When he speaks, he speaks unlike anybody else. There's some people in my life that invest in me, and they influence me, and they encourage me. And I'm so thankful when I get that text message. I'm thankful whenever they reach out and say, Brother Jason, I just want you to know I love you, and I appreciate you. It picks me up, and it ought to probably encourage you the same way when somebody does that. I got a mom and a dad that when they, when they reach out to me for a different reason, when they tell me they love me, man, it matters to me. I got an aunt when she calls me, and I pick up the phone. It does something to me to help me to continue to believe. I mean, I look at older preachers that I look up to and there's some times whenever they call me and say brother Jason God just put you on my heart I want you to know that I love you and I'm proud of you man it helps me and helps me keep on going and I thank God for that one of the greatest things that matters to me in my life is my son and my wife I can't tell you the times that they might not even understand it, and they might not even know. They might not even know the things that they do, but just their presence, just their, their words, just their involvement in my life to let me know how much they love me and how much they appreciate me and just the fact that they love me for who I am, not because I'm a preacher, not because, you know, I'm, I want to be sold out for Jesus, not because I go to church or not because I do this or do that, but they love me just because they love me and they love me, they love me at my high parts and they love me at my low parts. Man, it matters to me but I'm going to be quite frank with you no matter who it is and no matter who speaks and when they speak the greatest voice that ever matters to me is the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ and there's moments when my son and my wife is asleep and there's moments that I can't pick up the phone and I can't call brother Lee and I can't call brother so and so and I can't call pastor so and so but there's one thing I know that I could call on my heavenly father and I could trust him why because he has never left me nor forsook me and I thank God for that this morning with all that being said by way of introduction, I want you to notice now the transition. Because I'm just going to tell you this morning, we all can relate to the first part of this and understand that life is not easy. But this, my friend, is what I believe when faith really gets tested when you go beyond the verses we just read. Notice, if you will, what the Bible says in verse number 28. The Bible says, and Peter answered. Now, wait a minute. This is after the Lord come walking. They didn't recognize him. This is after they've been put in the midst of the sea. This is after they've been separated. This is after they've been put in a place where they did not understand what Jesus was doing. It was unusual. It was unfamiliar. It was a place of insecurity. It was a place of uncertainty. And in the midst of all of that, all of those disciples that had seen the Lord, notice what Peter does. The Bible says this. The Bible says, and Peter, verse number 28, Peter answered, and sa answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, Lord, if you really are in this, I, I mean, Lord, if, if you're in control and, and it's not you, it's me. Lord, if I don't want to mess it up, but God, you know me. I have a hard time sometimes. So, Lord, if it really is you, Lord, I'm going to ask you to prove yourself. I'm going to ask you to do something unusual, not because I'm trying to control you, God. No, that's the last thing I want to do. I'm not trying to, to, to make you do it my way. No, God, that's, that's the last thing. But, Lord, my faith is so weak that I need you right now to show me something that's never been seen. 
I need you to prove yourself in such a way because, God, I am weak. I am fragile. I am feeble. Lord, I am torn. So, Lord, here's my request. Notice what Peter says. Peter says, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. You see a faith that asked. He had courage to be able to ask God, God, I need to know for sure. God, I'm not trying to demand you, but I'm just trying to be honest with you. God, I, I know nobody's ever walked on water. God, I know nothing's ever happened like this. I know nobody has ever seen anything like this. But, Lord, I'm asking you because my faith is so thin that, God, unless you show yourself in a way like I've never seen you before, God, I don't know that I'm going to make it. God, I don't know that I'm going to be able to press on. And the Bible says in verse number 29, and he said, come. And when Peter was come out of the ship, he walked on water to Jesus. You know what happened? Listen, because he had faith to be able to ask God, to be able to prove himself, Jesus done something in Peter's life that he ain't never seen before. The Bible says that he got out, and he began to walk on water. And I just want to tell you this morning, listen to me when I say this. I don't care if it's your marriage. I don't care if it's your children. I don't care if it's your home. I don't care if it's your job. I don't care if it's the ministry. You hear me well when I say this. Sometimes the reason why we go through these things is because we have to be like Peter and say, Lord, I want you to be able to prove yourself. But I want to remind you, based on the Word of God, not because I'm this uh, just this uh, preacher that says, hey, it's going to be all great. It's going to be all easy. I'm not your prosperity preacher. Somebody say amen. amen. Somebody say amen. amen. But I am telling you that if you really trust God above all things, God is about to do something in your life that you ain't never seen before. Are you with me? Say amen. Anybody ever walked on water before? Anybody ever seen anybody walk on water before? We ain't never seen it. And here's why. Because sometimes God takes us to these moments that we've never been. Because he's going to show you something you ain't never seen in your home. He's going to show you something you ain't never seen in your family. Watch me now. He's going to show you something you ain't never seen in your life. He's going to do something in you. But you have to choose to be able to trust the Lord. So you notice, if you will, the faith that asked. But then I want you to notice the faith that answered. Notice what the Bible says again in verse number 29. The Bible says that he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on water to be able to go to Jesus. This is the faith that was answered. Can I just tell you something? He walked on water, and it's a very unusual thing. And I'm just going to be honest with you. As I look back in my life, and I look back over those last few years. You remember I said the last couple of years, it's been an unusual time for me. It's a, it's a struggling time for me. I mean, Brother Lee knows this, but even before that, in my, in my marriage, in my ministry, in my pastor, there was a lot of unusual things that had happened uh, that I never Never understood. But there's been a change in these things. There's been a shift, if I can say it that way, in these things. There's been some, some hardships that I never expected. There's been some loneliness that I never known. There's been some weariness that I, I never would have asked for. So these last couple of years, I'm just going to be honest, it's really been a storm that I never could understand. It's been a storm that I never even thought. It's been a storm unusual and very unique, and I could not ever put into words. But this is one thing I know. As I look back, as much as I battled in that storm, watch me now, as much as I struggled in that storm, as much as my faith got thin in that storm, as much as the time when, when I got discouraged and I got depressed and we don't like to talk about that and my family, my son and my wife seen me beat down and yet get up on a Sunday morning and try to mount the pulpit but know that there's nothing in me. Those days when I felt like that, I just want to tell you what happened. Meanwhile, when I challenged the Lord to be able to prove himself, can I tell you what's really been going on? I might have been in the midst of a storm 
storm. But you know what I've been doing? I've been walking on water. You say, Brother Jason, you really, I, I've been walking on water. Because when I look back, I feel just like Peter. I'm thinking, man, how in the world does these things happen? How in the world? I was doing our budget for this year. Do you understand? We have less people in our church right now than we did last year. I had more of my prominent faith, uh, tithe-giving, serving people that's in my church this year. I had more last year than what I had this year. Do you know by numbers when we did our budget that our tithes and our giving went up? 15% with less people, hear me now, and people that were new converts, new converts, less people this year are serving and giving and worshiping the Lord this year more than what they was last year. You know what that is? That's just me walking on water. Do you realize that 13, year, 13 months ago from this month where we are, matter of fact, it was about the time that I was down here, I had went back to the church. If I recall correctly, I was here September last year. The very next month, I went back to the church. My wife and son will tell you, went back to our church. Our church, I'm not boasting, not bragging. I'm just telling you so you understand. You know, our church has been blessed. It's over 100 years old. I mean, God has done a great thing in our church. Man, we've relocated. We built a new facility. When I first started pastoring, we was in a lot of debt. And I just knew that's where the Lord wanted me to be. And by God's grace and His mercy and His provision, He's paid it off. We've ran a church where it's went up over 400 and it went down after COVID. We probably run right almost about 300 people or so now. And I give God the glory for that. But you hear what I'm about to say to you. In the month of October last year, September was so hard last year, we didn't even have enough money to be able to take a paycheck. I got to a place to where I came in October and I'm thinking, Lord, Lord, we still got almost $200,000 to pay off on this building. Lord, I don't understand. I mean, some of my greatest heroes have walked away. Some of the people that I have poured into have walked away. God, I just... I don't understand. I was getting frustrated. I'm going to be transparent. There was times that I got angry that I had to battle bitterness because I didn't really understand. I'm looking, and it's not selfish. It's these people that I'm looking at like you this morning, that they come to see the Lord. They love the Lord. They have a desire to please the Lord. And I'm thinking, Lord, it's not about me. I want to keep on going for your glory. I want to keep on going for your people. God, I just don't know. I just don't know. And I'll be a little more transparent. Listen, it's a good thing that God was in control because even my wife looked at me and she's like, are you sure this is what the Lord's telling you not to take a paycheck? Can I get a little help right there? And somebody say, amen. But in the month of July this year, we go from not having no money in the bank. No money. To the month of July this year, listen to me, that almost $200,000 in the blink of an eye, just like this, God not only paid our building off, but turned around, and I don't know how it happened. Watch this now. And we have almost $100,000 in the bank. Now listen to me. That's walking on water. That's walking on water. You say, how does that happen? That's the Lord who's in there. People still getting saved. People still coming and joining the church. They're happy. No, look, they don't fit the cookie cutter mold. They're not walking in with suits and ties and dresses down to their ankles. And I'm all for you looking your best when you come to church. I love, thank God for that. But you know what? That's fine. But the people that didn't like it, they can leave. But let me just say this. There's a good spirit in our church. Amen. 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 
People love each other. People pray with each other. They get up. They worship. They're not worried about whoever. You know, I remember old, old Brandon Morris. I don't know if you remember, and I know, um, you know, he's passed now, but I'll never forget when he first came to, um, came to our church, and I began to meet him. He was talking about when he first got saved. I'll never forget he said this. We talked about some different things. You know, preachers sometimes add to stories, and I understand that too. But he was telling me one time, he said, you know, he's, when he first got saved, he came out being homeless and a drug addiction and all that stuff. And they were sharing the gospel. And he said, man, everybody's just talking about making a connection. He said, so everybody was wondering how in the world he was getting so many conversations with these people. He's like, well, I was going around just giving them cigarettes. Say, hey, you want to talk about the Lord? Talk about the Lord? You know, that was his way. Let me say this now. Watch me. Some churches would criticize him from the pulpit for doing that. Some people will put us down for things where we don't know no better. We don't have all the right answers. But can I just say this? I think that's the problem with the church. We get so spiritual. We've been saved so long that we think we know everything. But at the end of the day, it's God that is the judge of us. And we have to be able to choose to trust the Lord. And there might be some things that don't look the way we want to look. And some people don't act the way we want to act. And there's some people a little bit crazy. Man, we got we got an old guy in our church. and Man, he gets up in the back. And he's the one I've told you about probably in the past. Choir was singing one day. He took a yard sign out of somebody's yard that says, I love Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? Like the four cell signs. Y'all know what I'm talking about? He brought that joker to church. Choir's up there singing. Brother Lee, he reaches down like he's got a pistol up under the pew. He reaches down and holds it up. Choir's singing. He's on his sign up. I love Jesus. You know? Have a lady last week, she comes in, and man, she got over there, you know, the, one, one usually reproduces the next, you know what I'm saying? And man, she come in, she's a first-time visitor, he's sitting, our church is kind of a U-shape when you come into it, and... Uh, she was sitting in the back, and man, he kind of was up a little bit. And when he really gets doing, he's got long legs. Man, he just steps out of the pews. Like he walks over the pew, and he gets up to the back, and he's standing in the back, and he's holding his arms up, and he's doing all of this. And I know he's a little bit different, but boy, she got a got an eye of him, and she's like, oh, whatever he had is what she got. And man, she got up there, and excuse me, I'm not trying to be inappropriate, but she was doing a little bit more. You know, she was waving the hips, and and I'm sitting to myself thinking, Lord, have mercy, Lord have mercy lord have mercy but let me just say this to you people might not be the same and it's all right and yes i have to deal with some things that some people don't have to deal with and that's all right but can i tell you something neither one of those people's ever given me no trouble they've never discouraged me they never talked bad about somebody else they never put somebody else down they've never come to me well brother i'm not trying to be critical but i just got a concern no they've never done that and i just want to say hallelujah thank god that everybody ain't like us amen everybody ain't like jason holly i thank god for that what do you saying preacher what I'm trying to say is when you look back God might not always answer your question and answer your prayer the way you want to but he has a way of growing his church he has a way of growing his people he has a way of growing our families and when you look back in the middle of those storms you might say God I don't understand I don't understand Lord I thought that was the security I thought that was stability Lord I felt like it was strong in my marriage in my home in my ministry Lord I thought we were on the right path I, I believed you with all of my heart and you look up and it looks different and what do you realize I just been walking on water and I want to say this to you don't give up faith why because God's got a purpose and God ain't never gave up on you and I promise you when you truly get to a storm and I'm not talking about something petty friend I'm talking about where God gets you to the end of yourself you remember this when you get to the end of yourself that's always the beginning of God and all God's people said did you hear what I said? It's the end of you is the beginning of God. God can't do something when we're full of ourselves. Y'all help me. 
He can't help a church that's full of itself. Y'all help me. You understand what I'm trying to say? He has to get us like those disciples out in the middle of the boat. But watch me now. We don't just need disciples. We need somebody like Peter saying, Lord, if it is you, give me some Peters this morning that's willing to be able to say, I'll get out of the boat. God, if you'll show me something, Lord, I'll get out of the boat. So notice, if you will, the faith that was assured, the answer. Then I want you to notice this, verse number 30, the faith that was absent. Oh, right now, listen, we can rejoice and we can relate to Peter. That's exactly what we want to do. We want to walk on water. But you know what? Up every, sound, every side of a mountain, there's another a valley. And on every side of the other va- mountain, there's another valley. And what you're going to learn is in this storm, there is an eye of the storm. Things might seem to be okay, but there's a backside of that storm. And your faith ain't just going to be faith when everything's easy. Faith is going to be faith that remains even when it gets hard. You listen to what I'm saying. The faith that was absent. Notice verse number 30. The Bible says, says this, but when he saw the wind boisterous, I want you to notice this, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried saying, watch these words, Lord save me. Did you notice what happened right there? Hey, the Bible says that Peter stepped out, he's walking on water, he's having the time of his life, and friend, if you've ever been there, you know the way it is, you know how good it feels when you get to that moment, but the Bible says that in the midst of it all, he got his eyes off. And it began to sink. You know what that teaches me? It teaches me this. There's a faith that was absent. Here's why. It's easy when you first start. But it gets hard along the journey. And what happens is, is you begin. I remember going back when I first started pastoring. Man, I come out. Man, I was ready. We were serving the Lord. We were doing things. We were celebrating I hate to say it this way. We were posting things on Facebook. I had a Facebook presence at that time more than I do now. Man, I was putting it up. So-and-so got saved. And praise God for that. Fifteen people got saved. So many people baptized. So many people joined the church. Our church still celebrates those things on its Facebook. But, man, I was doing all this. You know what I realized, Brother Lee? I was end up putting pressure on myself. Because it's this status quo that if something ain't going, you know, oh, ain't nothing going on at Haynes Baptist Church. Brother Jason ain't really preaching like he used to preach. There must be a compromise because they ain't seeing 15 people get saved. There ain't 35 people joining the church. They ain't seeing all kinds of people get baptized. There's a pressure that comes on you. So it's easy to start well, but then after a while, here's what happens. That faith begins to be a little absent. You get your eyes off of different things and on different people. You start realizing different problems that you've never seen before. When you begin to slow down, you begin to look around. Instead of watching now, keeping your hand to the plow and not looking back. That's still in your King James Bible and all God's people said. Some of us need to keep our hands to the plow and quit looking. Because what happens is it's easy to start. Can you imagine Peter gets out on the water and he's like, praise God, I'm walking. And all of a sudden he gets looking around and he sees that wind. You know what happened? He got discouraged. He got beat down. He began to have undefeat, unbelief. And I want to tell you this morning, sometimes that's going to happen in your life, and it's going to be things that you and I are going to deal with. But I hope the Holy Spirit can put a target on your heart this morning and make you and I realize that it might not be a storm necessarily. We're on water. We're trying to walk on water. But it might be a storm that's in our home. It might be a storm that's in our marriage. It may be a storm that we're watching our children go through. It may be a storm that we're watching somebody in our church go through. It may be a storm the ministry is going through. And you have to look at it and you have to realize, well, I remember when it was first started, it was easy, but sometimes, sometimes you begin to get your eyes off the things you're supposed to get your eyes on and your faith, again, hears me well now, starts to get thin. And the Bible says when that happened, you know what, what happened then? He began to sink. He began to sink. 
You know what I've learned, though? You hear me well when I'm about to say, and I move on. Only a few of you people will understand this, I'm sure. Most brave people, brave people, they'll stay on the boat. Most brave people, if they love the Lord, they'll get on the boat and they'll be obedient. But if you ever want to see something supernatural from God, you've got to be willing to go beyond the brave and get out and walk on water. You want to know why? Because it's going to attack your pride. It's going to attack your pride. It's going to, it's going to attack you, your faith. It's going to make you prove everything that you have spoke, testified, witnessed, taught, sung, or preached about. It's easy to stay on the boat, and I'm not saying that belittling it. But I'm telling you right now, if you're ever going to see the things that Peter's seen, you're going to have to be willing to get out of the boat. And when you get out of the boat, sometimes your faith will be absent. Remember a couple years ago, man, I, I had started well and I came to a crossroads 2015-2016. I'll never forget, we had a preacher came in our church and preached. And he was preaching on the book of Kings, Elijah's life. He preached a whole sermon and he got to the very end and the Bible says that Elijah went down to the brook. Some of you know the text. And he said that the ravens down there, they fed him when he got there. He had nothing. In that message, that preacher began to talk about how when you get there, the Lord makes it plain that the Lord, that he will pray for you. If there's anybody we want to pray for us, it's the Lord Jesus. Can I get an Amen. But he gets to the end of the sermon. This is what he said. He said, read your Bible. The Bible don't say, I will prepare the ravens to feed thee. He says, I have. I already have. Do you know what gets me? So many times I'm worried about the Lord saying, Lord, I will. The Lord says, I will. I will take care of this. I, but the Lord's saying, I already have. Before Peter ever, watch me now. Before Peter ever asked to get out on the water, God already knew it. You believe that? Say amen. amen. If you believe your Bible, you ought, to, you ought to believe it. The Lord knew he was going to get out. The Lord already knew it was going to happen. And the Lord knew he was going to begin to sink. Watch me now. Watch the Bible. You love your Bible. Say amen. amen. But then notice what happened. The Bible says in verse number 31. Notice this now. The Bible says, and immediately... He's sinking. Verse 30, he's sinking. Verse 31, and immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? You see what happened? Some of us think, no, I've already sank. I've, no, no, no. Beginning to sink. No matter what happens in your life, you're never going to be too far where Jesus can't rescue you. You're in the hands of God. God knows exactly where you are this morning. Can I get an amen? amen? You hear me? God knows where you are. But I'm interested, thinking about the absent faith, I'm interested in that phrase in verse 31. Notice this. O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? You know what he's saying right there? Peter? You believed me when you first started. 
You asked me. It was your request when you first started. Wherefore, in other words, where between there and here did you begin to doubt me? I want my wife to come to the piano. Keep your Bibles open. I'll be done. Listen to me. Listen to me. Peter, this is what you prayed for. Peter, this is what you asked for. Peter, this is what you requested. Why are you doubting me now, Peter? Brother Lee, going back to my church, when I first started pastoring, even in the last few years, I've always prayed, Lord, this is your church. You mold it the way you want to. I, I come the last year and the year before that, people leaving, things happening. Money not what it needs to be. Listen to me. Literally going down to where you can't even pay bills and doing stuff. I mean, listen, we couldn't even pay the credit cards off. Y'all with me say amen. And I get to that place, and it's like the Lord says, Jason, isn't this what you asked me for? You asked me to strengthen your church. You asked me to make you stronger. You asked me to make your people come together in unity. Why is it that you asked me something, and because a few storms come, the process of the way of which I would do it, you begin to doubt me when I begin to answer your prayer. This is what you asked me for. I talk about my son and my wife a lot. Of course, many of you know that uh, you know Nolan got saved recently. Uh, as a matter of fact, this is last year, like after we left here. My prayer for my son, and I know your pastor understands this with five great children. Hey, by the way, but I'm done, okay? Yeah, I, you know I'm done. It was 37 minutes, son. It's just, it's called invitation, and all God's people said, amen. Invitation, son. <laughs> invitation. My son last year got saved. We went down to a summer, I mean to a winter, uh, kind of like conference for teenagers. And, um, you know, my prayer for my son, like anybody else, is, Lord, don't let just church be the reason. Lord, I, I want him to sincerely love you. I want him to have an authentic relationship with you. Obviously, I've always been real with him and been transparent. I'd let him know why things happen. But then over the last year or so, before that, you know, he's seen the troubles. He was old enough where he felt the pain. He felt the people who left that affected him. Where even as a 16-year-old boy, you know, he would be emotional. My fear was, is my son would end up being bitter and never darken the door of a church again after he was not made to come to church anymore. That was my fear. And I was thinking, Lord, Lord, I'm trying, but I can't, I can't choose other people's decisions for them. Well, little did I know, Tiffany's testified about this often. We're there at that meeting last last winter an invitation is given it's the last night and it's almost literally I think it was December the 27th if I'm mistaken last night of that meeting Nolan really goes down to the altar on that side he's praying and you know somebody went down there and prayed with him and I try to be content I want my son to walk with him he's made a profession of faith anyway he gets down there and in the midst of all of it he looks up red face tears in his eyes waving me over there go up there and he tells me he says daddy I'm not saved I need to 
be saved. By God's grace and His mercy and His long suffering, never given up. Thank God my son got saved that night. Amen. But you hear me well, watch me now. This is where the Lord says to me, Jason, wherefore didst thou begin to doubt? You were so consumed. My wife said this. My wife said, for almost 365 days in the beginning of January of last year, she began to pray for Nolan and different things. She was bitter. She was mad. She was frustrated at things that happened. Not for Nolan, but the things that happened. After Nolan got saved, he said this in conversation to Tim. He said, Mama, he said, if I would, and I'm paraphrasing, if I would have never been through, if I would have never seen you and Dad go through what you went through, I would have never realized my relationship was not what it needed to be. Therefore, so God says, Tim, Jason, this is what you asked me for. You asked me for a son that had a sincere relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I think about Tiff sometimes. During that time, Tiff would stay up, and I say I talk about this all the time. I, I get up three, four o'clock in the morning, and uh, there'd be times that that I'd get up, and that 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 Tiff would still be up from the night before. You know, she'd be writing her book, she'd be watching a a Netflix binge or whatever. But what it was, she couldn't sleep. She was uneasy. Everybody all right? Everybody all right? And I'd get up, and I'd think, baby, you got to go to bed. You got to go to bed. You got to get some sleep. I, I'll be honest with you. Man, I had a hard time. I'm like, Lord, you got to do something for my family. Anyway, we get through all that process. I look at my wife this year. Nolan gets saved. Now Tiffany is getting sleep again. Praise the Lord. But there had to be some things in her, and this is what the Lord said to me. Jason, is this not what you prayed for? You prayed for a wife that was strong. You prayed for a wife that would have her identity. You prayed for a wife to be everything that I wanted her to be. Jason, she had to go through these storms. I'm just answering your prayer the way I was supposed to answer your prayer. Hear me say this, and I, I, I'm going to be done. I'm going to give you one more, one more thought. I'm done. Everything about our life outside of Jesus is about faith. Everybody say faith. It's about faith. I know your preacher says this. You've got a great preacher. He loves the Bible. But no matter what we ever preach, you hear me well. This is not deep. No matter how far you go, no matter how long you've been saved, the growing of your faith never stops. You precious ladies here at Sydney U3, I'm saying this respectfully, a little bit older than me, not much, praise God. Somebody say Amen. You might not have the problems that this young lady has, okay? But you remember in that season where God helped you and increased your faith. But now you prayed for children, for grandchildren, for other. There, there's always new storms to increase your faith. And you get out there and you're like, well, I'm walking on water, praise God. And then you begin to sink and watch me. Hear me what I'm about to say. You will beat yourself up devil will say, see, you're not as strong as you, you thought you were. You know what the answer is? You're right. You know what I've learned about the Lord, though? He allows us to sink. By the way, he began to sink. He never went underwater. What I'm trying to tell you is the Lord allows you because he knows how far you are. He knows that you're never out of the reach of his hand. Somebody help me. 
So let me just say this. Thank God you get on the boat. Thank God that you'll be obedient as a church and get into that storm. But there's going to come a time in this church, in your family, in your home, in your life, that you're going to have to be willing to go beyond just being brave and actually walking by faith. Saying, Lord, I want you to show me something I've never seen. I want to say this and I'm done. Put up the very last thing, if you will, faith, faith assured. I want you to notice what the Bible says here. I'm just going to read it right here. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, called him, and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Notice verse number 30, uh, 30. Keep going next one. That should have been 32 or 31, 32. You got it up there? Don't worry about it. Let me read it out for you. Bible says this. Notice, please, if you got your Bible, pay attention. This is important. The Bible says, Wherefore does this I doubt? Verse number 32. And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Notice this last word, and I'm done. Verse number 33. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him. Watch this now. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped, saying, O of truth, thou art the Son of God. You say, what are you saying, Bud Jason? If Peter would have never gotten the storm, listen to me, listen to me. The first question you have to ask yourself is who's in the ship? Look at me for a second. Who's in the ship watching you walk on water? Who's in the ship watching you begin to sink, battling the storm, being vulnerable? Who's in the ship watching you from a distance? Seeing you struggle, get weak, being human, making yourself transparent, willing to take the failure so you can see Jesus and get a little closer. Who's in your ship? That's the first thing you have to answer. Your kids, your wife, your husband, your family, your children, your church. Who's in the ship? Because here's what matters. Watch this now. Whoever's in the ship, the Bible says, after you did that, Peter, you had to get out of the boat. Peter, you had to walk. Peter, you had to begin to sink. Hey, Peter, they had to see me reach down and pick you up. And Peter, the whole time they were watching you. And because they were watching you and you were willing to get out of the boat, Peter, now they believe the same way you do, that I am the Son of Sometimes what we go through, it ain't just to strengthen us. It's because people's watching. Can I get a good amen this morning? I know this is the first service. I'm going to say revival. I'm, I like that word, but I don't really need a meeting to see the Lord show up. You know, I, and I'm not, I'm, I, I name them revival in our church too. My prayer this week is that God will give me, forgive me, okay, for saying this pastor's heart for your church and for us just to come together and be stronger when we come out of it and I'm going to ask you this morning as we start this week before we ask for our problems to be fixed and our storms to cease and everything to change let's remember it's not about your problems and it's not about your mountains and it's not about your storms it's about our faith and if we're going to make it from this year to the next year we're going to need our faith to be strong Somebody help me right there. Right? I, hey, my wife will tell you, 
God might have paid the church off in July these past two months of my life I mean it's a, y'all gonna write me off I say it, it's amazing that I we don't have holes in the wall of our house and I'm not talking about fighting with my wife I'm talking about I just get so mentally pressed as a preacher as a pastor that preachers don't have nowhere to go you have friends you can talk to them but sometimes even a pastor cannot articulate can't even express to you what's on their heart the only way, Brother Sean, that it ever comes out is sometimes you just, you almost get angry that you're that weak. And I, I, I'm just telling you this morning, you might make it through some things, but if you're going to make it from this year to the next year, if you're really going to get something out of these next few days, you're going to have to have a heart this morning that says, okay, Lord, I'm not worried about my storm, and I'm not worried about the mountains and my family. No, 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 no. Lord, I'm just asking you right now, help me to get out of the boat and strengthen my faith this week. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you. Lord, I thank you so much for the Word of God. I thank you, Lord, verse by verse, the way that God, that you use it to penetrate our heart. Father, I pray this morning the Holy Ghost would, Lord, separate the calloused faith, the calloused heart, Lord, I pray that, God, that you would speak to this church in such a way that they'd be hungry, desiring to see you, to know you in a more intimate way than they ever have. May we choose to be vulnerable this week like Peter was, getting out of the boat. And, Lord, I pray that you fill the cup. I love you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. She's going to begin to sing. You stand your feet this morning. If you need to come, would you come? Don't wait. Listen, we often think God's trying to force us and we're waiting on God, but at the end of the day, God's really just waiting on us. So she's going to start singing. If you need to come, you come. You mind God this morning. You mind the Lord. It's not about me. He brought that to their 
genuinely. I'm extremely grateful that the Lord led in such a way as he did this morning. a lot of the hurt a lot of the things that happen to me I try to keep them to myself a lot of the people that walks out I try to smile and shake hands and hug their neck a lot of the people that say things that they should never say to me or my family or just shake their hand and pray they find a church somewhere. It is definitely hard doing what what this whole position requires. But I am really grateful that my kids have got to see us do it. from this past Sunday or Wednesday night and they're doing what they've been taught to do they're proving out the scriptures and you all can see that I know I remember when Claire came in I remember when Nolan got saved and Claire came in and told me that Nolan had gotten saved and Nolan it wasn't but just a few months later about six months later one Wednesday night after church or I think it was a Wednesday night after church I come in Claire's sitting outside on the front on the back porch in the dark just sitting there in a rocking chair and I go to walk in she says hey I, I need to talk to you and I said alright what's, what's going on she said I'm not saved and I need to get saved I don't know maybe I just had got done preaching all week in Kansas City Brother Jason putting in perspective things that I always never get to see. I'm always in the moment and I can't take enough time to sit back and look and see if it's God trying to do something because I'm always right there in the middle of everything and it's a bad problem I got. <laughs> take some time, sit back and look. I might have been able to see it a little better, but I am super grateful 
that God gave him that lens. Enough to let me see it, right? And I bet you that there's a lot of you in here that's seen the same things in your own life. Man, I don't think you want to miss the rest of the week. I hope you don't. Because I think God's got something really special for us. So if you go out of here, take what you heard this morning and ask God to keep working. Ask God just to grow whatever he's doing in your heart right now. There's so many things I can relate to that was said this morning. And I'm just really grateful that God let me be in on it. Amen. All right. Well, I'm done. I'm done blubbering. But this shall conclude the service. You can check this one off your list. All right. All right. <laughs> all right. I love you guys. I don't forget, we're going to be back here at 6. We'll have church, and then we're going to eat directly after. So you guys go. Have a good rest of the afternoon, and I'll see you back here at 6 o'clock. Hey, make sure you shake hands with, with uh, Brother Jason, Tiffany, and Nolan. Tell me, glad to see them.